Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Small Business Small Talk. I am your host, Christy Smallwood, and I'm always, as always, super excited that you've joined us today for another episode to learn from small business owners all of the things about what they do with their business and what they love about it and hear the passion that they have for their business and also how they're overcoming those challenges and they'll teach us some best practices and the best advice they've ever got and what the advice they give you and what success really means for them. I love my guests today. But before I get to them, I definitely want to give a shout out to my sponsor partner, which is the Chamber of St. Matthews located headquartered in Louisville, Kentucky, but we cover the region. Like we have over 90 zip codes, two states, maybe three at this point. So I, I love our thriving, vibrant Chamber of St. Matthews. Uh, we have a lot of options virtually. So if you are not a part of your area chamber or you don't have one, check us out. Chamber of St. Matthews, or actually it's stmatthewschamber.com, S-T, Matthews, plural, chamber.com. Um, and I'd also encourage you to go to smallbusinesssuccesstalk.com and scroll down. You'll find an episode with my chamber staff and talking about chamber life and all the fun stuff that happens with chambers. And there's three of them on that, on that episode. And it is a hoot and a half. Highly encourage you to go listen to that one because we are all friends and we love to banter anyway. So definitely a, a, a level up on the entertainment factor, but a really good idea of what a chamber is and does and can do for you in your business. So highly encourage that. Now today's episode, and I'm sorry if I'm like extra breathy, but if anybody has ever like lived in the Louisville area, we're in what's called the Ohio Valley. It's a valley, which means all of that shit that's in the air just kind of settles here in layers. And I am allergic to all of it, <laughs> which causes me to, you know, really should be on an inhaler, but I don't because I prefer my essential oils, which works great whenever I'm settled for a bit. I just got in from running some errands and, and it's rainy today. So y'all take care of your health, pay attention to what's happening with your body. You know, just, just take care of you. Because if you aren't here, neither is your business, probably, unless you have a succession plan, which is one of the things that my guest is going to be talking about today. Uh, I love these people. I cannot express to you how fun they are for me. Recently, I have officially joined the National Speaker Association. Now, if you're not familiar with that, it's an association for professional speakers who have turned their love of speaking and training and things like that into a business. And so it's all about the business of speaking. It's a wonderful group of people that I'm, I now have as peers in this industry. So it's an industry specific focus for me. And they just turned, they've, I've got friends now in this industry. It's just fantastic. I admire a lot of people in this business because their messages and how they've gotten there and what they do and like, I have been speaking for years. I just haven't made it a focus of revenue generating business. So I am now. It's become part of, part of what I'm doing to grow. And I love the connection, not just connections, but the friendships that I'm making with this peer group. Allison Van Hooser being one. And then her father-in-law, Phil Van Hooser, Philip Van Hooser, who has been in that 
business, speaking and training for over 35 years. Like when I call him the legend, like he is definitely well known in this industry. And so y'all sat last Saturday, we had our speaker showcase where we got professionally videoed and we got, you know, all of our stuff and we're in a room of, of peers and, and Phil was in the room. <laughs> Oh my gosh, somebody who has that much legacy experience is going to be watching me on stage and like, I know I am not polished. I know I have a very, maybe a little extra energy for the stage. I don't know how to explain it. I just know that I was a little nervous, but the fact that I had to also I use a stall tactic to get us started while the tech guys were testing everything helped me because everybody was laughing. And so, okay, great. And then we just had to turn it on and do my presentation. It was great because everybody in the room was going to be experiencing the same thing. So I made it through just fine, <laughs> but to have these wonderful people, your peer set in the room, cheering you on, being supportive, it's a whole different world for me. And I love it. Um, actually, I can't say it's a whole different world. The chamber is a lot like that for me because there's a lot of supportive people that want to see me succeed in my business. Then you've got the, but in the chamber, you also have some every once in a while who are like, not, they don't play well in the same sandbox. Probably just leave it at that. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about them in public. No kidding. <laughs> That would be bad form. I would never, I'd never, if you know me, if you followed me at all, you know, I'm never going to call somebody out specifically. Like I will not name names. I typically will talk about a situation or an event that has happened. And then we kind of walk through that kind of thing. I'll be talking about that stuff in a totally different podcast, which will be coming out soon called unfiltered. And that's exactly what that means. So with this episode, Philip Van Hooser and Allison Van Hooser, they've been in this business together and it's, they, they're just, they're wonderful. They're just wonderful, wonderful people to be around. They know their stuff. They make an impact. They've, they've got it going on. And I wanted to learn more about the background of their business. Like how did Phil get started back in the day? And what was that progression like? And what's it going to be like now? And so if you are a family owned business, and you are trying to figure out what does that look like for the future? Like you started it and what happens when you have family who doesn't want to be a part of it and nobody wants to keep it going? What happens if they're like, what happens? So he walks through that story with us and it's just really good to hear those kinds of things. So they've got a lot to say about the business itself, not just the speaking and training stuff, not just the subject of, because we didn't dive into leadership training and all that kind of stuff. Phil just kind of exudes that topic. So you're really going to get a lot out of it. And so does Allison. She's got a great story and I'm very appreciative of their time on this episode. So without further ado, here are my new friends in the speaking business, speaking and training business, Philip and Allison, not married,
I want to thank you guys tremendously for being guests on my podcast. This is going to be awesome because I've been looking forward to, first of all, getting to know both of you a little bit better. I'm excited to have my friend Allison on here, and I'm a little nervous about the legend, Phil Van Hooser. The legend. Oh, my God. When I joined NSA, we're in this academy thing, and they're like, oh, Phil's going to be here. Like, everybody's so super excited. And, you know, every time Allison would get on House Phil, I was like, oh my gosh, it was this Phil person. So <laughs> that's well, first, so true. First, they first did all, do that every all, time. Just get out of the way. Let me let <laughs> yeah. my head swell here. Thank you very much. You're very kind, but you're also overstating whatever the obvious might be. So thank you very much. Well, but you have been in the speaking training business, from my understanding, for a long time. And I wanted to bring you guys on to, you know, talk about this world of training and speaking and all that kind of stuff. So, Phil, how did you get started being a professional at this? Tell us your origin story, Phil. What's the origin story? I'm trying to figure out how to keep this from being a nine series uh, marathon presentation, et cetera. Um, In a nutshell, and if you want to go deeper in any of this, I'll be happy to do it. But in a nutshell, um, I spent the early part of my professional career in corporate management. And specifically, I worked in HR, human resources. And even more specifically, I spent a lot of time in training and development of first-line supervisors, mid-level managers. That's that's what I spent a lot of time on. And I found that I had a great passion for it. I First of all, there's a need there. There was 35, actually 40 years ago when I first began in it. And that need has not subsided. The need is as great today as it's ever been because we get a new generation all the time of people that are coming into the, into the area of, of people management, people supervision, people leadership. So I've just found a passion for that. But I also, um, I'm trying to be somewhat humble here, but, you know, I had a unique skill set. I I was a pretty good communicator. I had a lot of passion. I connect well, fairly well with people. And so I was able to use all of those things that make up who Philip Van Hooser is with um, the opportunity to to speak and train to people who needed speaking and training, the services that we offer. And so in a nutshell, I just did it because I loved it. I did it because I also enjoyed the the development that I was going through as I was helping others. You all know, we all say each one teach one. The way to really learn a subject is to teach that subject. And, And I was learning and growing every day when I was doing it internally to the company that I was, companies that I was working with. And then here's the story. Um, One of my friends called me, one of my HR friends called me, who was in the same HR chapter locally for us and said, we're going to do a fundraising uh, uh, seminar. We're going to offer an educational seminar for the local business community. And we'd like for you to lead the seminar on, on interviewing skills. Well, I had a lot of experience with that. And I said, okay, what's the deal? And he goes, well, we want you to do three hours in the morning, turn around and do three hours in the afternoon, same material. We'll do a new group in the morning, a different group in the afternoon. We'll sell tickets. We'll raise money for our personnel chapter, our human resources management chapter, and we'll give it away to students and this, that, and the other. You know how it is in a nonprofit kind of group. 
I go, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I had never done a public presentation before. Um, and the first one I did was three hours, again, multiplied twice. Cool. They paid, I don't know how many, how much they paid, $35, $40 to come or something. That was through the chapter. But at the end of the day, they told me, Phil, we've been very successful today. We have made $10,000. What? And I went, uh, wait a minute. And they gave me $600. They, they, they made 10,000, they gave me 600. And there's an entrepreneurial part of me that says, maybe there's a business opportunity here. And so within about nine months from there, I had quit my job and, and declared myself in, in, uh, as a professional speaker and trainer. And that's now been almost 35 years ago. And I've just kept doing it. I do speak, I do train. There are some people in our business that are only speakers and not trainers. There's some that are only trainers and not speakers. I've been able to figure out a way to bridge that gap and actually have one support and encourage the other. We can talk about that if you like, but I don't wanna, I don't wanna hog it, but hog the opportunity here, but, but it's been a wonderful journey because number one, I've been able to learn and grow myself, but I've also been able to help individuals and organizations learn and grow themselves and now 35 years later, I've seen the net results. I've seen people who've come back to me and said, this was wonderful. Uh, I had an opportunity 10 years ago or 15 years ago, or even sometimes 20 and 30 years ago. And I want you to know, thank you. This is how my, my, my career has progressed. Speakers and trainers can make a difference. I know I've had that similar experience with one of my, my, my being super program. It's superheroes. It's going to be easy to remember, you think. But I do get feedback on those that have gone through that. Of like, I still remember like these points of right. that and how they've just instilled it into their everyday. Is like, right. that is exciting that I've had that kind of an impact on somebody. Okay, now the the absolutely lovely young woman behind beside you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> right. Well, honestly, you were one of my favorite people that showed up on the screen for this academy. I didn't get to make that very first session. And then you started talking on this screen on the recording. And I was like, I need to be buddies with this. <laughs> he thought she is wild. She must be fun, right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so Allison, you've been doing this for how long now? Uh, about three and a half years. Okay. So full time. Yes. Full time. There's a little bit of a backstory because it's also Allison Van Hooser. Yes. <laughs> so you weren't we're not married we're not, not married. married you weren't born into this she was not she is not of my of my union with my wife uh, so <laughs> there's only one other possibility here the daughter-in-law there yes. you go there you go so okay but still how did you get how did you by marriage sure you're married to the son but how did you get talked into doing this as a career so we said we're starting to talk family now you said i was the daughter-in-law i am often confused as the wife i mean who knows what all i've been confused as but i am the daughter-in-law married uh phil's son oldest son joe um i've been hanging around phil since i was 15 16 years old 
Um, I remember I went on vacation with Phil whenever I was the whole family. The whole family, yeah, not, not I'm, just, I'm just us. The whole family went on vacation, <laughs> and what I specifically remember—I'm sure you had said other stuff before—but I, what I specifically remember is that we were all at the pool one day, and Phil just made a passing comment. Maybe it wasn't passing for him, but to me, it was just a quick comment like you should write a book Allison based on your life story what you've been through and what you've achieved so far you should write a book and I remember thinking then that man is crazy no way I would never write a book no way and I knew that's what he did but I never thought that that would be a possibility for me and so I didn't think much about the work that he had been doing for decades until I was in the workforce and I had been working probably in banking for two or three years and Phil did a local leadership development class. He called it Vision 2050. Basically, it was a bunch of young people in the community who were high performers who he thought, you know, if I can invest in these people a little bit, maybe that would play a positive role in shaping the future of our community by 2050. And so I participated in that class and there were just some really foundational processes, some perspective, perspective shifts that I had that I went and implemented in my own work, in my own career. And I always tell people this, they worked like, believe it or not, they worked. And so from there, I'll let you tell the story about the dinner table. Well, you talk, we're talking family now, but we've encouraged you to join us in this family discussion here. Yeah. So about I don't know exactly how long ago, but but probably seven or eight years ago now, or maybe longer, we had a family gathering at our house. And so we have th three children, my son, her husband. Uh, we have two daughters and they have spouses as well. And so we occasionally just have a family gathering. And so we're at the table. And so this now again, seven or eight years ago, and I said to them, in essence, I'll go, okay, guys, let's just face the inevitable. I'm getting older, and one of these days I'm going to have to decision make a decision about how to, you know, sunset this business. I'm just curious: am I going to just close the door, or are any of you interested in possibly coming aboard and seeing if we can do something to continue the process? Succession and, um, planning around the yeah, dinner table. I, yeah, I, I ta I've taught it and spoke about it for years. I thought maybe I ought to try it one time. You know, <laughs> um, now I will tell you that I don't make very many distinctions between my biological children and my my in-law children i just don't know how to do that um as far as i'm concerned my biological children got to pick them but once they pick them they're in the family you know that's that's the way i look at it. so i went around the table and i said guys who's interested and in essence all of the rest of them said no for good reason i'm doing my thing this is that's not what i want to do that's not in keeping with my you know, studies and preparation and so on and so forth, got to Allison. She goes, I'm in. I want in. I want to do this. I, I believe in what you do and I want to learn to do it myself. I said, okay, we'll talk about it. And then that was it. And after the, after the dinner, I remember after the kids all went home, Susan said, so Susan, my wife said, so what are you going to do now? Allison said, she's interested. What are you going to do? I said, I'm not going to do anything. She said, what do you mean you're not going to do anything? I'm going to say, I said, I'm going to see if she really wants this or not. And so it went probably six months or so. I, I don't know, maybe longer. And I didn't say another word. Certainly it was in my mind. And I know now that it was in her mind too. 
but I didn't want this to be an emotional reaction. You know, she could have thought, well, the other kids didn't say anything. Somebody needs to say, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't want this to be emotional. I didn't want it to be knee jerk. I didn't want it to be something that, that she thought I wanted her to do. Sure. So I just didn't say anything about it. It came up in general conversation a couple of times, you know, Phil, what are you still thinking? Yeah, I'm still thinking and never said another thing about it. And I don't know how long it was. It was months. And finally, Allison came in one time, one day, and she goes, okay, I got a question. I go, what's your question? She goes, what are we going to do about this? I'm waiting to hear back from you. I go, okay, she, she is still interested. She, is, she does have, uh, you know, the desire. And, and from there, we said, okay, let's see. She was, she was a um, city councilwoman in our local community at that point, elected to that position. Yeah. And I remember her saying to me, okay, here's the deal. I gave him an ultimatum. Yes, she did. She said, you're either going to bring me into this business or I'm going to run for mayor. So you tell me, oh. I, can't, I can't do both. Right. You tell me what you're going to do. And I go, well, I better get, get her here now before she gets sucked into the political abyss. Who, know, who knows yeah. what happens then? But, I think the fact of the matter is that we can see that all along the way, whether people believe this or not, it's what I believe. The Lord has been preparing for this to happen. I can see situations in my life, even me being coming into their family at 15 years old and um, learn, sitting around the dinner table and learning about him. And he practices what he preaches at home with his family and at work. So I've been soaking this up for I'm 33, almost 20 years. And it's now, I told Phil this morning, I said, it's in my blood. He said, you're infected. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. It's exactly what we're supposed to be doing together. And the more we continue to work with clients, we continue to hear that the multi-generational perspective that we give is really valuable. And so I'm, I'm so thankful that we get to do this work together. You, uh, you know, Allison, you've spent a lot of time with her in recent months and you guys have developed a friendship. So I, I know what I'm saying you'll appreciate your viewers and your listeners may not have that same that same um, opportunity Allison is a very special individual she has a very unique backstory if you want to put it that way life story backstory whatever you call it but that's not what makes her most unique most unique thing about her is she cares about people she cares about and empathizes about people and situations circumstances she truly wants to invest herself to make a difference in the world. And she knows that making a difference in the world is most often done by making a difference in individuals. And so she wants to train and she wants to encourage and she wants to lead. And as a result, people follow. Well, I teach leadership and so, and leadership skills and techniques and processes. And, and the whole key about leadership, I've said it many times, the essential element of leadership is followers. If you have people that are following you, then we can help you with everything else. But if people won't follow you, it doesn't make any difference how many techniques you learn. There's your people are not going to follow. People follow Allison. So it only makes sense made sense to me that I would invest my time in someone that others would follow. And uh, and so that's what we've done. Business, it's been exciting. I, I've got to tell you, I've been doing this for 35 years. I've never been more excited about the potential and opportunities for the business than I am right now. Um, my wife and I have worked really, really hard and had a successful business over the last 35 years. And that's been great. But to see what the future looks like, and the future is that, you know, to see what the future looks like to me and to be a part of that and to be able to invest in that, 
uh, you know, I don't know how many people would have an opportunity to, to work with their family members, their children, their in-law children, their grandchildren, whatever. For me, it's been, it's sort of been the capstone or it's been the, the icing on the cake for a career. And so I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not ready to retire just yet. I'm, I'm anxious to continue to do this for a while, but I do believe this is the best part of the work that we've done over the last 30 some odd years. Well, I'm also seeing a sign behind you that says the man in the millennial show. (laughs) (laughs) So it is a unique dynamic that you guys have this multifaceted perspective of the world because, you know, just because not just because of the age difference, you've got the gender, you've got the backgrounds, you've got all of this stuff that you guys are bringing. Tell me a little bit more about that show. What's what's that all about besides just the man in the millennial well, I'll, I will let her talk about the show and I will tell you about the name of the show. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> well, the name of the show, Allison came to me and she'll talk about the concept, but Allison came to me and said, you know, we re- if we're going to work together, we really need to let people know that we're not competing with one another, that we're working together, but we're working together from different angles. In other words, we are male, male, female. We are a boomer, millennial and so on and so forth. And she said, we really need, and we need to engage in our social community and give them an opportunity to hear from us and us hear from them and so on and so forth. And all that made sense to me. I've not done any of that really, but it all made sense to me. And she said, what are we going to call ourselves? And I go, I got that. That's no problem. I said, the man, the millennium. She went, yeah, because, and not, I'm not the man. That's not what I'm trying. That's what my grandkids call me. All of my nine grandkids call me the man. They don't call me Papa or Grandpa or Dads or Pops or something. they call me the man. Actually, they hold on, they run in the door and they go, man! man. Oh, it's great. It's great. And so how can you not be excited about that? And so it just seemed alliterative, man, millennial. It it sort of set the stage pretty nicely. And and people have responded to it. It's been a lot of fun. And this is the small business podcast. So thinking about this from a business perspective. Uh, Phil and I, we we had to sort of create a product that people could say, I want that. And so when we think about he and I just co-authored a book together, we have the man in the millennial show. We do this. We try to do it. He and I sitting together so people will picture us together. The idea is that we will have a keynote that we do together. We've been doing training together for, for years, years now. By the way, the, we just did our very first keynote. Yeah. where we were both on stage for the entire time in front of what 150 people yeah. or something like that and it went great and and it was a it was an extension if you will of what we do on the man and millennial podcast show yeah. but it was also incorporating what we do on stage individually but we did it corporately and we didn't know if it would work or not you know sometimes i tell people how do you know if something will or won't work until you give it a shot, experiment with it, you know, be a little bit creative. And after it was over, people were coming to us and going, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed the perspectives that were offered. And, and we started asking, so what would you do differently? They, and in essence, this is the, this is the response, just do more of it. Yeah. And so we're trying to figure out ways to do more of it. It's not for everybody, a, a, a dual keynote. But, but for some people, it could be a lot of fun. For some organizations or clients, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So what has been some of the biggest challenges that you've, you've overcome in your business? Oh, well, I'll, I'll start only because I have more, you know, 
options to choose from. Uh, in 35 years, obviously the early challenges was just a business startup is to carve your place in the world a little bit, you know, because who are you and why should we pay you money to come talk to us? You know, that kind of thing. Right. So you have to establish your credibility. You have to, you really have to work on your expertise. You really have to work on your skill set. So in the early days, it was just sort of finding your place. And then at some point, the business sort of takes off, whatever that means, but the business sort of takes off. And if you're not careful, you'll get on an autopilot. Things looking good. All right. I don't have to market as hard. I, well, that's just, that's just bunk. Nothing ever gets easy in this business. And I don't think anything gets easy for those people who do it well in any business. It just happens to be our business, speaking and training. Along the way, of course, we've run into a lot of recessions or, or downturns in the business economy. That's going to affect people uh, in our business. For example, you know, when, when people start to pull in the reins economically on the business, what do they cut most? Speak uh, training and travel. And, and of let's course, not forget marketing. I'm going to throw market. Marketing is the yeah. first thing that they remove too, which is like not the best idea in the world. Which is and silly. It's, it's silly. Silly. And of course, those are the businesses that I've chose to to have is marketing and training. <laughs> so, look at me. <laughs> Ding dong. You you hit the daily double there. You yeah, know. I did. <laughs> But, but the biggest challenge, and, and there's been technology challenges and, you know, going from in-person to online, you know, there's all kinds of things that have just evolved over time. But the biggest challenge, without question, hands down, uh, uh, drop the mic, walk away kind of thing is the last two years, which has been COVID, you know, um, but it's not just us. There's so many businesses that were, that were just blindsided by this situation, some survived, thankfully, some probably even thrived because they were on top of it and moved forward quickly. Our business has survived and has, and has uh, climbed back and we're happy about that. But there's no question that was the biggest challenge that I have faced in my 35 year professional career is trying to figure out how to sort of navigate through the waters of COVID and what the unknown look like, and especially when people didn't want to gather. And that's what we do. We gather with people. Um, so anyway, without going into very much more detail than that, that's been some of the challenges. Now, Allison, I'm sure has unique challenges in that. What's the challenge of working with your in-laws? What's the challenge of being <laughs> the next generation? Only she can talk. If you want, I can, I can plug my ears so that she can say whatever she needs to say without me hearing. But but I'd be interested to hear her thoughts on some of those challenges as well. Sure. So I have two thoughts. The first thought um, has nothing to do with you. The first <laughs> thought is, I think one of the challenging things for me starting out in this business, there is some measure of um, there an advantage for me having Phil in his 30 plus years of experience in the industry. Also, I'm still having to grow a business in this new world. He he figured out from the ground up in the was it 80s? 80s, yeah. I'm figuring out in it out in 2020. And so, I'm taking advice from all of these people who are starting their business at the same point as me and they're killing it. And so they have lots of great ideas about start this, try this, do this, do this social media channel, do this podcast, all that. And so what the challenge I think I found is figuring out 
what I need to say no to and focusing on really not what feels good or looks good to my peers, but what is building my bottom line. And what do your clients want? What do my clients want? Yes, I have lots of clients that they could care less if I'm doing X, Y, Z out here. They care what I'm doing in the room with them and that they hear from me ever so often. So I think that's been the, that's been probably one of the biggest challenges for me, knowing what to say no to. So I'm not wasting my time. And then I would just say from a family perspective, if there's someone who's listening to this, who has a small business and maybe they're looking to their succession plan would be family too. I think the biggest challenge we have to make sure we're, we're all doing is being straight up with one another, being honest about here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I'm thinking. And taking the emotion out of it all and being able to think clearly, I would say that's probably not a challenge in the work that we're not doing it well, but we're always conscious of it, doing it right. And I would add to that, that in addition to being straight up, what's most important is the family, not yes. the business. The business is critical. This is how we make our living. The family is how we make our life. Yes. And so we don't want to get those out of order ever under any circumstances. And and we have we've been very straight with one another in regard to that. And uh, thankfully, in three and a half years, we haven't had any serious problem. When I say serious, I don't mean to emphasize that. Sometimes there's gray areas we have to work through. Yeah. One of the things that Allison said, for example, uh, a couple of years ago, which my wife and I had never practiced in 30 some odd years. She said, when we get together at family gatherings, we don't talk about business. All right. And, you know, Alice, Susan and I have been together working in the business for 35 years. It has just sort of, you know, there. seeped into every crevice and we just talk about it. It doesn't bother us, but it made perfect sense that we need to have a separation of family time, business time, and so on and so forth. It's still not easy in that regard sometimes. Sometimes but, I even bring it up. Yeah, she so, does. And I go, eh, eh, yeah. this is grandkid time. We got, we yes. got to go from there, you know? So it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. You guys are just this whole pot of gold here. I, I usually I'll have more conversation on my end of the mic, but <laughs> you guys are like running with this and it's just pure gold. I'm taking some notes for my, I know, I know. <laughs> no, sorry, <laughs> don't, don't even apologize. This is what this is for. It's your story, not mine. Okay. Speaking of stories, has there been any really good stories over the years? Like moments that you cannot believe this happened to you? Oh, The answer is un, unmistakably and unapologetically, yes. The problem is, how do you pick one or how do they come quickly to the forefront? Do you have anything that quickly comes to mind? Well, Allison, you just told us one last weekend. Gosh, okay. I am always the person to throw myself under the bus. Hopefully nobody else will experience it. I think I, you're talking about what I told you Saturday, aren't you? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. I don't okay, know the others. <laughs> thank you for that, Christy. Here we go. I'm giving a keynote at, at a conference of about, a, it feels cracking up. I'm giving a keynote about a hundred and some executive level people who are very into what I'm saying. I'm making a very serious point about leadership in today's workforce. And this was an event where they had made the stage really narrow. And so I had thought of that beforehand, um, thinking that, okay, I'm not going to be able to move around as much as I normally do. I'm going to have to stay planted. Well, I'm making this point. 
and I go point A, point B, point C to recap. And when I get to C, as I'm sort of taking a step sideways with every point, <laughs> looking directly at the in the eyes of the audience, I take that final step and I walk right off stage. Kaboom, down to the floor <laughs> in four inch heels. And I jumped up really fast and I said, huh, I land like a cat on my feet because I didn't go all the way to the ground. Just sort of dance crying. Oh, and then I said something that I had heard at NSA. Now listen to this. This is this is classic. I love this. I had heard this at NSA. I'm now on the floor. I was once tall up on the stage. I'm on the floor now. And I remember someone once told me, if you ever fall off stage, use this line. So as I stood up and I said, I'm like a cat. I land on my feet. They laughed a little bit, but then I threw open my arms and said, I'm now going to take questions from the floor. <laughs> And they roared. I mean, howled laughing. So something that has happened to me, I did not think would happen, falling off the stage. But we lived, we learned, and I think that it actually worked in my favor. I Chrissy, think Chrissy I think it's really interesting that you, you realize that Allison was able, with the forethought, to be able to, her mind worked that quickly in that sort of un, unusual situation. I've got one for you that just came to me as she was talking. And this is sort of on the other end of the spectrum. Um, you know, I've done just over 5,000 presentations for uh, over the last 35 years. So there's been lots and lots and lots, lots of things. Lot, yeah. But for some reason, and I haven't thought about this in years until just now. Oh, for I some reason this, this came to mind. Um, I had been out on the road. This was probably 20 years ago. I had probably been out on the road for a week and I was dog tired, dog tired. And I remember I was, I, had, uh, I was in the Houston airport and I had one more flight to make, which would have got me to wherever I was going at about midnight. And I had to give a presentation the next day. And I'll be honest with you, it's one of those times where I was going, is this worth it? And, you know, I was walking and the Houston airport was just teeming with people. And I'm walking down and you know how you're zigging and zagging out of people. But if you've ever had the situation, I bet you have, most people have, where you're in a crowded situation and through all this sea of heads, you see a pair of eyes. And I happened to see a pair of eyes coming toward me, and it was probably 30 or 40 feet. I didn't recognize the eyes, but I saw their eyes meet my eyes in this, you know, this sort of fish tank that we were in at that moment. And I thought, who is that? Am I supposed to know who that is? And his head meant his head disappeared. And then all of a sudden his head appeared again and his eyes were still fixed on me. I go, he is looking at me. Who is this? You know, and he walked directly to me and the people sort of parted. He walked directly to me and he said, are you Philip Van Hooser? I oh. went, uh, yeah, I was afraid maybe I owed him money too. You know, <laughs> I said, yeah, I am Philip Anderson. He stuck out his hand. He shook his hand and he, uh, shook my hand and he told me who he was. And I remember the name right now. I'm not going to say it, but I remember the name, even though I did not know the name before that, I've never forgotten it since. He shakes my hand and he immediately drops down on a knee in this crowded terminal. I'm thinking, oh, what the heck is this? I've never heard you this know? story. He opens up his bag that he was carrying, his travel bag that he was carrying. And he pulls out a set of audio tapes, cassette tapes at the time. And he put it, and it's my tapes. He's holding it up in front of me. He said, I recognized your picture from the audio tapes. I've never met you. I'm about to get. Aww. But he said, these videos have sustained me. 
in my leadership journey. And I'm thinking, I was just questioning whether or not it was all worth it or not. And this guy drops down on his knee. He didn't care who was watching. He showed me his video or my audios. And he said, he said, I wanted to tell you, thank you. Well, for me, that was a moment. That was a moment. And it was a very special and important moment because it reinforced that even when I get tired in my job, I don't get tired of it. I don't get tired of it. So that was, that was a. That a was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me. I don't know why that was. Don't ask me any more questions. <laughs> now we know. We can see exactly why he's a Hall of Fame speaker. It's, it's obvious right. now. Yeah, you can also Legend, see right that here. I got to get my tissues out. And I'm an old softy and so on and so forth. This is what happens when you drive eight and a half hours last night and get about three hours of sleep before you come on this uh, on this podcast to talk to talk to people who drag stuff out of you. Well, I do have some raw talent for interviewing. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Okay, so over the course of the years, and you have given a lot of great advice, but for both of you, and I know Allison, you probably hear it almost every day. What, what is a great piece of advice that has stuck with you that you've incorporated in your life or business? Either way. I have mine. Do you have yours? You go with yours. I'll come up. I'll find mine. <clears throat> um, not, I'm not trying to be funny here, but I think probably one of the best pieces of advice that come, the, the best piece of advice that comes to mind right this moment that I use in every area of my life, whether it's as a mother or as a wife, hopefully as a professional, and I don't always do it well, but it would be do more than is expected. I say that now to my kids as they're going to school and as they're interacting with their friends and as they're cleaning up around the house, I try to do that as I make new friends. I try to do that as I'm showing up at work or with the client, do more than is expected. And then this is, and I learned that from Phil, which is why I said, this is not me putting on anything. I learned that from Phil. Um, if you always, he always says this, if you always do more than is expected, then you never have to wonder if you've done enough. And so I think that that rings true in every area of our lives, personally and professionally. Well, that's cool. That's cool. You know, that I do talk about that a lot. I've talked about that not only on the stage, I've talked about that concept um, off stage with my children and I do it with my grandchildren even now, you know, so it is an important. And so I appreciate that she mentioned that. I didn't know what she would say. Um, a lot of things are going through my mind, actually. A lot of concepts that I have adhered to or that have been beneficial to me over time. But the one that I keep landing on right now is a concept that I call lay your hand on it. Um, when I was a boy growing up on a farm here in Western Kentucky, um, I worked with my dad and my brother a lot, and I was fairly lazy. I was a lazy kid, unfortunately. Uh, I didn't take to farm work like my brother did. I resisted farm work, um, and my dad would constantly, and I was therefore, I was always looking for an opportunity not to do something as opposed to an opportunity to do something, and so I, uh, my, da my dad used to say, boy, by the way, I didn't know my name was Philip until I was 15 years old. Holly oh. <laughs> called me with boy. Boy, lay your hand on it, which meant help when you can help. 
Lay your hand on it. You may not be able to change the world, but you can lay your hand on it. You can, you can offer your assistance. You can get involved. And so I've, I've embraced that concept of laying your hand on it. There's not a lot I can do by myself, but I can help you with whatever you're helping, whatever you're doing. I can lay my hand on it while you're working on it. I can offer some assistance I, in some way, either figuratively or literally, I can be of, of assistance. And so my dad's been gone for uh, 35 years now, I guess. And, uh, and yet he still reminds me that I need to regularly lay my hand on it. And uh, so maybe that's something that's important too. So what kind of advice would you give to others who are in small businesses now who either starting it or they're in their family owned small business? What kind of advice would you give them? Don't do it unless you can be all in. A lot of people think that small business is a, uh, a good hobby career. And maybe it is for some, I've never been able to do it. I'm either all in or all out, you know, and, and when I say all in, I'm not talking about forfeiting and sacrificing your family and all the rest. I'm just simply saying you don't dabble in it. If you're going to get in, get in it. If you're not going to get in it and you're not willing to or able to, that's fine too. It's not for everybody. Small business is a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, there's good days and there's bad days. And then there's really bad days, you know, that hopefully take you to the really good days later on sometime. Um, but I'm not being, I'm not being flippant when I say that. Um, people need to understand. I, I hear too many people go, oh, you can do it in your spare time. I've never found any spare time. I, my, all my time is invested in my small business. And so that's one thing I would say. And the other thing I would say is you can never feel like you've arrived. You're constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly being exposed. Allison has been so good for me in this business. Yes, I have 35 years experience, but she comes in and she'll say, have you thought about, have you ever considered? Sometimes I have. And I go, no, I'm not going to do that. I just not. And she goes, okay, there we go again. But, but there's been, there's many times when she comes in and goes, have you thought about it? And I go, no, honestly, I haven't. Or maybe I've thought about it, was afraid to act upon it. You know? And so can you help me? Let's do this together. Are you willing to get in? She goes, yeah, we can do this. And so, you know, there's been those opportunities too, too. So I'd say if you're in, be all in. And number two, always be looking for what you can learn and how you can grow and how you can advance in your career. That would be what I would say. What I would say, I would echo both of those. Um, The other thing I would probably say is make sure you keep your priorities straight. Um, In a small business, as an entrepreneur, it can become all-consuming and you can easily, even whenever I was in the corporate world, find yourself with your priorities out of whack. And so for me, I literally have my priorities on my bedroom wall. So I wake up and I see them first thing to try not to get things out of order because I can be very one track focused and drown out everything else. And so that would probably be my biggest tip is. You're asking good questions, tough questions, but hopefully the answers we're offering will be good and, and beneficial for the people who are listening as, and watching as well. Yeah, That's why I ask these questions. <laughs> that's why you're the pro. <laughs> so one final question for you, because the, the show is called Small Business Success Talk. What does success look like to you? Well, she knows how I'm going to answer. So I'll let you answer first. Hmm. Or I'll do answer it, whichever. I would say success to me looks like 
positively impacting people's lives and making a comfortable living doing it. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. Um, my my uh, approach to success is twofold. I'll give the professional and then I'll give the personal. The professional is I want to serve my customers and give them more than they have paid for. I want them always to come away going, that's the best bargain. I don't care how big the check or how small the check is that they write. I want them to go, I got so much more out of that experience with Phil, either on the platform or off the platform. Now with Allison, either on the platform or off the platform, it was so much more than what I paid for. So I'm always giving them, want to give people more than they, they, um, than they paid for, than they bought. But then for me personally, my definition of success has always been choices. I define my success by the number of choices that I have available to me. Or said a different way, the more choices I have, the more successful I am. The fewer choices I have, the less successful I am. And if other people are making my choices for me, then I'm not successful at all. And so I'm always trying, even at this stage in my life and career, I'm always trying to explore new choices. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to do what everybody wants me to do or do everything that will grow my business. Sometimes the choice is not to do that, but that's a choice I made, not somebody, not a choice that was forced upon me by someone else. So I'm always looking for how can I, how can I position myself in such a way that I have more choices, not less or fewer choices to make. And for me, that's that served me very, very well for the last X number of years. Well, you guys are just, thank you so much for your time. I just love both of you. Um, Phil, I'm sorry we didn't actually talk about, you know, music and songs, but I knew that if I started out with that conversation, we would never get to the real thing, right? Well, I'm telling I'm ready. I'm ready. I can name that too. That's a whole different episode. <laughs> But seriously, I do thank you both very much for your time. I know how limited that is. I know, Phil, that you got in real late and you're tired, but I think you did stellar. This was fabulous. Well done, the man um, and the millennial. Thank you for your time as well. I know I see great things happening for uh, the success of Van Hooser and Associates. So I can't wait to see and actually, you know, be on the out outside of this watching but then also be able to be a friend that can support and cheer you guys on at the same time. Um, Phil, do you have any Gen X kids? Cause is there a gap there that maybe I could just be adopted and build a Gen X gap? Like, <laughs> yeah, forgive me, it. but I got more kids than I can shake a stick at right now. So if you don't mind, enough is enough is enough right now. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for your time and for being a guest today on the show. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, very much. Chrissy. You're the best. We appreciate you. So I loved our, our session today. I, again, I told you, I just love these people. They're fantastic. I hope that you got a lot of value out of listening to that conversation. And I know I didn't jump in a whole lot, which great, great. Because again, it's all about the business owner sharing their story, getting spotlighted, sharing with us their experience, their stuff. And I love that I had both of them at once. It, I didn't know for sure if Phil was going to be able to make it just because he had, you know, super late night, super early morning. And sometimes you just never know about that stuff. I'm so glad they were both able to be there. The different perspectives 
that they come to the table with the boomer and the millennial, the, 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 the man and the millennial, the, um, the gender differences, the different background stories, just all of the different, the differences that they bring to the table, make it spark like crazy. It's awesome to watch, fun to listen to and impactful. I'm hoping you got a lot out of that. A couple of things that um, stood out for me that in during this conversation was one, you don't know if something's going to work until you try it. I personally do get stuck in my own head a lot about new, new products, new ventures, new things, because while yes, I think it's a need out there. I can look at my, uh, my matrix and see, oh, there's a gap. I could be doing it right there. It doesn't always necessarily mean anybody gives a shit about it. So do it and then get the feedback. If people love it, do more of that. Um, I just did a planner last year for the, well, not for the second time and put it out to the public a little bit, a little bit, just gauge interest. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? What would you, you know, like to see in it? And so I'll be doing another planner this year because people love those things. And I'm like, there's a market for it. People are expecting it from me and I want to deliver beyond the expectation. So there was that, but try the different things, just try it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Get the feedback of what your customers want, what your clients want, what, what your audience is just craving. Um, the other thing was don't run on autopilot. So if you've been in business for a while, and honestly, there's that five to seven year itch, you know, you get into the business, you get in the business so much. You just, you're in it. And sometimes you don't care if you win it, you're just in it. Like things are going really smooth and then complacency can set in and complacency equals death. Like you have no more innovation happening. You aren't paying attention to any potential trends that are happening that can completely disrupt your business. You also are, if you're running on autopilot, you would never, ever, ever have thought that there needs to be a pandemic in your strategic planning threats column. When we get blindsided, sometimes it's because we're running on autopilot and we haven't paid attention. When we have things like the pandemic, you know, the COVID issues, nobody really could have seen that one coming. Okay. So everybody just needs to have a little grace with yourself, cut yourself some slack because none of us saw that coming. Um, anyway, we've had that subject ad nauseum. We'll probably continue to talk about it for the next five, 10, 20 years. We'll all be doing this podcast in 20 years. And yeah, I remember back when that, that, oh, I just remember that day. I remember how I felt on that day that the world shut down. Nobody needs that. <laughs> You're like, I'm not listening to that show 20 years from now. Let's face it. <laughs> That's not going to happen. The, I'm, I would love to know what you got out of this. For every episode that you may be listening to, please leave us a review, but not just a review. Like, what did you get out of this episode? Let me know. Go to the website, fill out the comment form, connect with me on socials. Let me know what you think of these episodes. Comment on the postings. Do it because I'd like to start creating conversation 
as a culture of small business. Like we are all in this together. If, if we could, honestly, if we could unify as a small business, we would, we would know how much power we actually do have. And I do want to share this with more people. I want you to know you're not in this alone and you have a story to tell and you, everything that you do makes a difference and you matter. I just love you guys. I just love that you're listening. I love that you're watching these. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And I love each and every guest that I have on here because I always learn something. And I think they energize me as much as they say I energize them. So thank you guys very much for participating in this uh, episode of Small Business Success Talk. Looking forward to the next episode with you. Check back. Make sure whenever you're subscribing, you hit all the bells and whistles so that you get notified when new episodes are released. And then, um, yeah, I think that's it. Until next time.